I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. My good friend Eli Hernandez passed away with uh, this disease. And so we know it's a real thing. But at the same time, we know that the enemy is going to use it to try to push us in a corner. And that's not going to happen. We're going to get past this. Uh, we, we've, the church has seen worse, and it's, it's, I promise you it's going to be better. Brother Tony Duras, please don't. Uh, I'm not going to forget. I've got a, a prayer cloth here, and uh, you messaged me yesterday. We got this prayer cloth, and we're going to uh, we're going to get that anointed. We're going to pray for that. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, 46 and 49. Mark 10, 46 through 49. I've used this scripture before in another message. And I, I like the concept behind it. And I may bring out part of this scripture later on in my ministry or in, in my message. Later on in my ministry. That could be 20 years from now. I could preach for three hours later on in my ministry. <laughs> Lord, help us. Promise you, I promise you, I won't do that to you. I don't, I'm not saying that God won't. Bible says, and they came, talking about Jesus and the disciples. And they came to Jericho. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, can you imagine uh, it's, it's not good enough to be simply blind, but they had to put blind Bartimaeus at the beginning of his name. What a shortcoming in your life. Could you imagine somebody labeling you? Forgetful Adam. <laughs> I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. But imagine that. Blind Bartimaeus. I mean, that's a, kind of a slap in the face. But let me before before you see uh, before I read on, I'm gonna let you sit down. Then they were labeled certain things, and blind Bartimaeus, uh, the the blind, the lame, that the in that day the handicap. I don't like using that word. I know it's not politically correct. But they wore certain gowns and certain clothing to label them. If they had leprosy, you could notice them a distance. That told you that you keep your distance from that person. And you didn't want anything to do with that person. Uh, what they had diseases back in the day, they weren't allowed to go into the temple. If they were, if they were lame, if they had certain kinds of problems, um, they, they weren't allowed uh, matter of fact, the lame man laid at the gate, never went in the, into the temple. So blind Bartimaeus, he was labeled blind Bartimaeus. And we call him, instead of calling him Bartimaeus by his name, we say blind Bartimaeus. The son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging. When he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charge him that he should hold his peace. Keep your silence. The reason was they figured, they assumed that Jesus had more important things to do. That was their view of Jesus. So looking at a, a blind man that to society 
He was lower in the cla- in class than everybody else. And these so-called church members said, hold your peace. Because Jesus is too good to stop and talk to you. But there was something inside of Bartimaeus. The Bible says, but he cried a more great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, the Bible says, and Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, and he calleth thee. Now, before I have you seated, I'm going to ta- I will tell you what I'm going to preach. Just, just give me just one more moment. I watched, uh, I'm watching a, a documentary on the bulls. I love being <coughs> from Illinois. I love Chicago Bulls. There's a huge debate on who's the greatest basketball player that ever lived. Some of the older people would think that Bill Russell, uh, Oscar Robinson, and, and, and some of the uh, Wilt Chamberlain is the greatest. Now, it's just my opinion, and it's not, I don't think it's just opinion. I believe Michael Jordan is the greatest ball player, basketball player that ever lived. Now, Larry thinks that Larry Bird, and it's probably because it's, his name's Larry, but. Larry Bird is in the top five greatest players of all time. But all the young people think that LeBron's the greatest. A lot of the younger people, they think LeBron is. Anyway, so I'm watching this, but I watch something. And, you know, you got these hero, you got these people. And, uh, you know, I have earthly heroes. I, wa- I was watching this documentary, and I watched this young little boy walk up to Michael Jordan. It was uh, towards the middle of the documentary. He walks up to Michael Jordan to get an autograph. And what I saw from OMJ, Air Jordan, is he wouldn't stop and sign an autograph for this kid. And that I anger, I started making excuses. Well, he's he's focused and he's he's you know he's consumed and he's got the game on his mind. But all it would have taken him about thirty seconds, ten seconds, to sign it, his name. And write something, but he was in, he was too good. He was above stopping for this kid to sign his name. And I got to thinking, Jesus wouldn't do that. The King of Kings wouldn't do that. I want to preach to you just for a while on this thought. I need you with me this morning on this thought stopping an unstoppable God. Stopping an unstoppable God. Stopping. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I need, I need Jesus to stop for me. I, I don't know about you today, but I, I need him. I need, I need his help today. And I, I know that there's others here that feel that. And I believe that there needs to be a desperation of that feeling when people try to tell you to shut your mouth and don't worship, don't 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 run the aisles, don't worship as much. What you need to do is like blind Bartimaeus is say, you know what, you're not keeping me down.
So I need you to preach with me this morning and we're going to get through it and we're going to have church. Amen. We're going to get back in that in that habit of having church. You may be seated in Jesus name. There are many laws that govern the world in which we live and some of those laws are easily seen in our everyday lives, such as civil laws and criminal laws that for the most part, they keep the world that uh, sometimes can be chaotic. They can keep it halfway orderly or to seem at least somewhat sane in a, in a chaotic world. There are also natural laws, laws of physics and uh, laws of science and laws of mathematics and that are truly uh, very powerful and fascinating in their display of events. Most every single day we, we, walk, we go through our life, we, we, uh, we, we, they, those things happen before us. We, we just we, we, we ignore those things, those laws, laws of gravity and uh, different things that, that God set in order. Uh, uh, and we don't really appreciate them until we have in some way become the part of their working or we simply stop and pay attention or experience them for themselves. One of those most simplistic and powerful laws is a natural law. It uh, is the law we've learned the one of those laws young in school. Uh, and that is called um, Isaac Newton's law of motion. And it states a natural moving object that cannot be stopped in its course of movement unless there is an intervention that takes place or until something interrupts its process. Just like I didn't tell anybody, but I uh, was on the roof, climbed up on the roof and a couple days ago and I end up stepping back and took a slip. And fell and landed on my back. That was an experience that I probably won't forget for a while. And that is an experience of uh, Newton's law of motion. The ground was between me and that's what stopped me. Have anybody any, has anybody ever experienced that law? And therefore, when you understand that law, we consider that law and its origin. We find from the very first record given to mankind of all that God began in the book of Genesis, we are told uh, that God is a moving God. He cannot be stopped. In the very beginning, you'll find the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. The darkness was upon the face of the deep. Then the Bible went on to proclaim, and the Spirit of God began to move. And immediately we are aware in Scripture that in the Bible we find, see, that God is a God of motion and a God of action. And by that moving energy of deity and light, God set in motion everything that exists from the revolutions to the planets and the living organisms moving under the powerful uh, power of life that God gave to everything, including man. In Acts 17 and 28, the Bible says, for in him we live. 
and we are created in the image of God, we also move and we have our being. He is a God of perpetual and continuous motion. He never sleeps. He is always awake. And I'm thankful for that, that while I lay in bed at night and I worry about the things of this world, it does my heart good to know that Jesus never sleeps or he never slumbers. Or when I am paralyzed with fear and I cannot move, that God cannot be stopped. And he continually moves. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. At the same time, it boggles my mind to think that he is omniscient uh, or or all-knowing or omnipotent or all-power. That God is beyond everything. His presence is beyond everything. And not only that, his grace. And mercy goes beyond anything that we've ever known. He's greater than anything. He's more powerful than any force. His love is greater than anything. And I'm thankful today that it cannot be stopped. Hear me this morning. Even though that my sins... My sins and my failures in my life and your sins and your failures seems as though it could paralyze Jesus. But he made up his mind at the beginning of time to said, you know what? I'm not going to allow the failures of man to stop me because my mercy is made new every morning. And they're going to continually move until the end of time. You can't stop him. He has the power to raise up. Or he has the power to cast down. He has the power to heal. Or he has the power to kill. He has the power to save or to condemn. And it seems as though that God can never be stopped by any futile means of mortal man. I find it funny that the world actually thinks that they can manipulate God. And they can control God. And they can stop a move of God. I just want you to know this morning that if you fear that the church has lost its power any time that the government has shut the doors of the church. I want you to know that God's spirit has not stopped moving through this world. Please don't sit there on me. You've got to understand something. That while you've laid in bed at night and you've worried about COVID-19, the Spirit of God rose above it and said, You know what? There's no sickness that I can't heal. There's no disease that the blood of Jesus can't heal. There's no sick that He can't heal. There's no death that He cannot resurrect. Satan thinks he's winning the battle, I'm telling you. I understand that this thing's real, and it's it's hurt people, and it's killed people. And I understand that the government, uh, at times in their mind, think that they're protecting you and I. But the enemy that stands behind this, the governments that and the powers that be, what his main mission is, is to stop God from moving and silence the voice of, the, of God. And at the same time, they're trying to silence not only God, but silence the mouthpiece of God. And that, therefore, they want to shut and silence the voice of the church. Can I tell you that God won't be silenced and He's not going to allow His church to be silenced? You've got... 
Listen, I don't care what you're going through today. It, it, it's, it's, it's minute in the presence of God. If God can't be stopped, then His church cannot be stopped either. I'm not going to go any further until we stand our feet and give God praise. Come on, let's praise Him. Come on, aren't you glad this morning that God cannot be stopped? Aren't you glad that the church cannot be stopped? We ought to just get the mindset right now that the devil's not going to win the battle. Oh, he may, he may look like he's winning a few, but God, God's going to prevail. He's not going down. I've told you before that this thing is fixed and the battle was over before it stopped. Stop being frustrated by what you see. Stop letting things that you see dictate your future. Stop letting the enemy scare you to death and keep you fearful of everything. Again, I, I told you a little bit ago that we've got to use we've got to use wisdom. But hear me, Jesus gave us power to tread on serpents. Jesus gave us power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I know it sounds like I'm dictating what I said well ago, but Jesus didn't stop and look at the at at, at, at the uh, the ones that had the leprosy that nobody wanted to touch. Jesus saw them the dif- distance. He knew they had leprosy, but that wasn't going to Stop Jesus from getting to the, those sick people. That didn't, you say, well, that was Jesus. That didn't stop Peter, James, and John from going out and he is uh, laying hands on the sick. And we can't allow fear to keep us doing the work of God. Either we got the Holy Ghost and we got the power to tread on serpents. Or we don't. Either we know this thing, and we're going to live this thing, or we're going to have to do this thing. And we're going to let CNN and MSNBC and all the other people try to dictate our future. But let me tell you something. I believe that Jesus is raising up a church that's not going to be fearful of anything that's happening in this world. How are we going to have a modern, a latter day, latter day revival if we're in our homes fearful of everything that's going on? I mean, I gotta get back. Okay. Do you know what stopped? Do you know what literally stopped the whole living army of God the day that they was going to fight Goliath? Let me tell you what, and I, I've, I know I've preached it before, but what stopped them and paralyzed them with fear was the, uh, was the fact that they lost their vision or they lost their will. They, they lost their reason to fight. Fact, when David said, is there not a cause? Why are you stopped here? Why are you paralyzed with fear? The reason why is because you don't, you've lost the reason as to why you're fighting. And if you lose your reason for fighting, you're going to be fearful. 
That was the difference. And what the church has to do is if we're going to continue move in the direction in which Jesus has intended our church to move, we've got to find our cause. And the cause is a lost and dying world. And we can't allow fear to dictate our future. Didn't plan to preach all that, but that's what I'm just I feel right now. Can't stop God, though. Can't stop him. If you don't believe that, ask Satan after God kicked him out of heaven and Satan fell 186,000 miles per second. You can't stop God. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah after God burned it to the ground. Wasn't going to stop him. Sin wasn't going to stop him. Ask Pharaoh after God sent the the plagues to Egypt. And, and Pharaoh said, you know what? You're not taking my pe- your people. God said, oh, I'll burn the place to the ground and I'll deliver my people. And you're not going to, it doesn't matter what you like. I, you're not stopping me. I don't care if you're the most powerful man on the face of the planet. I'm going to cause deliverance. And then right after that, I'm going to drown all you and everything uh, that you stand for in the sea of forgetfulness. You can't stop God. Ask the giants of Canaan after God's people walk in. They were standing there with swords and said, you're not taking this place. And the people of God said, oh, yeah, God gave us this place and we're going to live in houses we didn't build. And we're going to we're going to eat of crops we did never sweat. from. You can't stop God. If you don't believe it, ask the guards that stood at the walls of Jericho and said, these walls can never fall. And seven days they marched and just uh, after the shout, after the worship, God called. Walls that would never fall to fall and crumble to the ground. You can't stop God. I'm trying to tell somebody today that I don't care how bad your problem is. God can take care. I'm getting to my message here in a minute. Right now, I'm trying to prove a fact that the enemy that stands at times stands between you and victory, that God can get you through this. Ask the Philistine army after they faced one man, Samson. There's no way. There's no way Samson can win this battle. But at times, the Bible says God moved on Samson. And with the jawbone of a donkey, he slays a thousand men. I almost said something else. There's a lot of kids in here. I'm trying to be kind this morning. I know, but me and Brother, Brother Horton, we talked about this. It's in the Bible. I was, I was going to say it, but I'm, I'm trying to be kind. There's no Sunday school. But they walked there. They, they, God cannot be stopped. As the prophets of Baal after the fire fell from heaven and consumed every single one of them. Ask Elisha after a valley full of dried bones grew skin and was resurrected. There was absolutely no way physically that could ever happen after he waited through the stench of death. When God asked the man of God, can these bones live? Ezekiel didn't even have enough faith when God asked him. And he had lost so much faith and the morale was taken out of him when God said, can these bones live? The man of God said, I don't know if you can move through this, God. I don't even know if this is possible. And just in a matter of moments, God allowed a valley of dry bones. Get up and walk. Can I tell you this morning, I don't care how dead your situation is or how dried up your situation is. Your bones can live. 
Ask the three Hebrew boys after they walked out of the fiery furnace, after they, the, man, the, 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 the king had made that fire seven times hotter. So I'm going to destroy you. It was so hot, matter of fact, that the ones that threw them in died at the door. I love this thought that they should have never even made it into the fiery furnace because the ones that threw them in died at the door. You should have never made it into your trial. And at times while we gripe and we complain that we're going through our hell and our trials and tribulations, what we ought to say is, you know what? I made it this far. I should have never made it to this place. I shouldn't because there are those that never even made it to the trial. But in the midst of your trial, God sets you free. Ask Daniel after God shuts the mouth of the lions. I love that story. Even the ones that that caused Daniel to go in there, they were the ones that were utterly destroyed. Can't stop God. Listen. Think of the problem that you're facing in your life. I don't care how big it is. You can't stop him. You can't stop him. There's no problem too big that God cannot handle. Oh, you say, well, I, I, I've been living in this painful situation for so long. That's what Mary and Martha thought after four days when Jesus walks up to the tomb of Lazarus. They thought in there, there's no way that Jesus could get through this. There's absolutely no way. There was, and matter of fact, they was argue with Jesus. Look, I know you couldn't have been stopped if you would have come here three days ago. If you'd have just showed up three days, you could have done it then, but you showed up four days too late. And there's no way in the world that you can do anything now because by now this situation is dead and stinks. But Jesus didn't care. And if the stench didn't stop God, he doesn't expect the stench to stop the church. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how bad. Ask Gideon after God used just 300 men to, to win what seems to be an impossible situation. I dare you ask the man after Jesus walks into a cemetery and cast out about 2,000 to 6,000 devils out of a man. The Bible says that he ran out of that grave and he worships Jesus. Can't stop him. The enemy's always been trying to stop Jesus. I, I, I get this visual. I think the, the greatest point, the greatest time in the mind of the enemy. Not, not, not hindsight 2020, not now. He's looking back and says, well, that was my greatest mistake when I killed Jesus. Because when he killed Jesus, what he did was still his own fate. But at the time, his greatest feat. His greatest victory in his mind was when he latches on to the lamb and pulls him out of the garden of Gethsemane. And he beats him. And he doesn't just beat him a little bit, Brother Krause. He tears him up and 
rips his flesh and he mars him. History says that his own mother couldn't even recognize him. And he's standing back looking. I can just picture the enemy standing back in the shadows, laughing, mocking, thinking, well, this is my greatest victory. He's not going to make it this time. There's absolutely no way. There's no way in the world that he's going to make it this time. That he, I've, I've defeated him. And, and, and just to go through really quick, not to just hurry a great, a great message. That, that when he said it's finished, he began to clap his hands and rejoice because he thought that it was finished and he thought that Jesus was dead forever. But what he didn't understand was, look, when Jesus said it's finished, what Jesus was really saying was, devil, you're finished. What he was saying is, your problems is finished. Your fear of death, hell, and the grave is finished. You can't stop Jesus. If we could ever understand that. If we could ever understand that. And we would have the power to trust. We would have power. We would have the faith to step out when we're when we ourselves are fearful that knowing that Jesus cannot be stopped and he doesn't expect the church to be able to stop when the Bible says upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What he was saying was, you're my people, you're my bride. And if I can't be stopped, you can't be stopped. can't be stopped. You can't. You can't be stopped. Here's where I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting what I'm saying, but I'm not contradicting. You got to get my point. But there are times. There are times and there are things that can simply bring this God of all glory. This King of Kings. When the Michael Jordans of this world don't have time. Or the kings of this world don't have time to speak to you. Just simply are times that Jesus will stop everything. And he'll stand still. There are just some things that when human needs exceed our faith and hope, can altogether arrest the attention of Jesus Christ. It blows my mind that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that's beyond every bit of all creation that we can't fathom how great He is and how big He is, that is simply... Looks at you and I and says, you're so important that I'll stop for you. Oh, you you got to get this this morning. I mean, this is this is so you, you've got to understand something. You're, when you look back and you say, well, he'll stop for that one and he'll stop for this one and he'll stop for the preachers and he'll stop for the people in ministry and he'll stop for the, for the people that are important and he'll stop for the people that have great names in Pentecost or he'll stop for the prophets and he'll stop for the fivefold ministry, but he won't stop for me. Are you kidding me? All the way through the Bible. 
He found the weak. He found the poor. Matter of fact, the church, the so-called church that had it all together, didn't care for him to stop and talk to them. All they had time to do was open their mouth and ridicule. But they found Jesus sitting there with sinners and people that were broken and people that were lame and people that nobody wanted anything to do with. He said, look, if you won't stop for them, I'll stop for them. I'll stop for them. I'll stop for them. I don't know about you, but I need a revival in my family. I've got backslidden brothers and sisters. I've got family that's so addicted to drugs and alcohol. Their lives have been wasted away. I've got family back in southern Illinois that they're known to be the town drunks. I remember my cousins laying in altars, speaking in tongues, prayer warriors on my mama's side. That they are the, literally the town drunks in their town. And the only thing that can help him, help them, him more than one is if Jesus would simply stop for them. Well, they, they don't have enough money to drive them out in the AA or fix their problems. They don't have enough money to go to the psychiatrist for them to get any kind of help. But what they need is a visitation of Jesus Christ. And I know at times you feel insignificant and you don't feel good enough. But can I tell you that in the day that Jesus goes to Jericho, goes to Jericho. And there was a man. And here's here's what I've used a scripture before. But just just humor me just for one moment. Mark 10 text that I read, the Bible says, and they came to Jericho. You have that up there. It's I, I feel so silly not the two dots, that's not a semicolon. What is that? What is it? Why'd they use that word? And they came to Jericho. This is what I, I don't, I, I, I got this in trying to figure this scripture out. Because my mind, I'm curious. I analyze things. I sit back and I read these scriptures. I go, wow. And they came to Jericho. Why did he come to Jericho? I want to, I want to know why he came to Jericho. I brought this out before. Something most of you probably know. Some of you don't. So I'll tell you. And they came to Jericho. Does anybody other than me want to know why he came to Jericho? And they came to Jericho. And it doesn't tell us why. There has to be a reason as to why Jesus and his disciples go to Jericho. And then it says, and as they went out of Jericho with the disciples and a great number of people. He goes to Jericho. Why even take the time to tell me that Jesus goes to Jericho? Why tell the story that way? And it hit me. It's irrelevant. 
as to what Jesus was doing the day that he went to Jericho. I'm sure whatever it was, I'm sure it was important to Jesus. But it wasn't important enough for him to write it for our benefit. But what he was saying was, look, when there's a need, everything else is irrelevant. Can I tell you that your problem, whether you're blind, whether you can't hear, whether you're sick in your body, or whether you don't have enough money in the bank, it doesn't matter what Jesus in his, in his mind is doing that day. When there's a need, he'll stop. Even when the church stands back and says, Bartimaeus, shut up. He's got more important things to do. Can I tell you that Jesus will stop? Doesn't matter. No matter what's going on in this world, he'll stop and he'll talk to you. I'm going to preach this. I don't care. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. Hear me. This morning, I know that there are people in here that you feel irrelevant in your life. And you feel like that, that nobody cares what you're going through. Or that nobody cares uh, about the pain that you're going through. And that you've been forgotten. And you've prayed. And you feel like your prayers are, are hitting a, a brass ceiling. They're coming right back down to you. And you and your mind have laid in bed at night and you've cried until you can't cry anymore and you've cried and you're finally frustrated and you've you've become bitter and you become frustrated and you think that God doesn't love you but let me tell you something here today it doesn't matter how small your situation is or how big your situation is Jesus still loves you and he's still reaching out to you you say well he doesn't care let me tell you he cares he sent me today to tell you that it doesn't matter what you're going. He'll stop. He'll stop. He'll stop. He'll stop. He'll stop. Woman with the issue of blood. Very well known story in the Bible. One of my favorite stories because paints a vivid Description of a woman that basically gave up for 12 years, prayed the same prayer for 12 years, spent everything she had. Bible says only to grow weaker and to grow worse. She finally makes up her mind she's going to go to Jesus. Jesus ends up being her last resort, unfortunately. Everything else had fallen, failed. Everything else was a flop. And ended up being the only thing that helped her was when she touched Jesus. Be a good time for me to say this. Stop bypassing Jesus. Stop trying to find help in every other way because you're wasting your time. I know that there, there are, doctors have some answers. Thank God for them. And I, I've been helped by a doctor before. And, and thank God for psychiatrists and people that can help you talk through and, and therapists and people that can talk, help you through your pain and your everything. But let me tell you, there's nothing. That's all temporal band-aid stuff. It's like doctors that give medicine and treat symptoms. It's like taking an aspirin that'll only take your headache away or your backache away for an hour. But all it does is numb the pain where it's at. 
between the brain and the nerves just numbs it. But the problem's still there. And that's the way the world is. They try to solve our problems. And we get temporary relief. And we get frustrated because we'll wake up tomorrow. And the pain is still there. And we wonder why in the world we continually have to go through the same thing. But the woman with the issue of blood finally said, you know what? I've, I've, I've explored every other avenue and nothing's ever helped me. And the Bible says she knew that Jesus was coming. She was weak. She was frail. She didn't have enough strength. But the Bible says she clawed her way through the crowd. People tried to silence her and kick her down and tried to keep her from getting to Jesus. So something I don't understand that. How, how that was the so-called church keeping her from getting to Jesus. But she persevered it anyway, and she got to Jesus. And all those people touching Jesus and pushing him, he's in that those big crowds, and he's just like this big rock star. Everybody wants to touch Jesus. He's the great I am. He's the healer. He's the one that fed the multitude and healed Lazarus. Everybody wants to see Jesus. Everybody's touching him, and he's being kicked around and pushed around. And a woman touches the hem of his garment, and he stops, and he said, "Who, who touched me? Literally stopped Jesus in his tracks and said, who touched me? What are you kidding me, Jesus? There's a lot of people touching you. There's a lot of people wanting your attention. There's a lot of people wanting things from you. And what stopped Jesus in his tracks wasn't simply a touch. you got to get this. Wasn't simply just a touch tells me it's not enough just to touch Jesus, but it had everything to do with the motives as to why you touched Jesus. Because Jesus didn't stop when the thousands were pushing him around. He didn't stop. He ignored their touch. You say, well, I go to church every Wednesday and touch Jesus. and We go to church Sunday morning we get a hold of Jesus. A lot of people's touched Jesus and got a hold of Jesus. But only the people that have the right motives touch Jesus. The God of this world stops. Healing virtue leaves his body. Jesus, preachers, think about this. Jesus didn't even pray over her. Jesus didn't even use his voice to cast out the sickness that she was dealing with with 12 years. She simply touched Jesus with the right motive. And because of that, faith brought virtue out of Jesus' body. And the woman with the issue of blood was healed. So if you want to stop Jesus in his tracks and stop an unstoppable God... When you pray, when you lift your hands as we stand. Come on, I'm being serious this morning. We haven't had church, really had church. We've had church via Facebook for, for a while. We don't have church tonight. 
And I know I usually would try to hurry up and get out of here so we can come back. We don't have to be back tonight. So while we're here, just for... I hate bacon. But I'm trying to bring every person's mind and heart and motive. One mind and one accord right now. Come on, I know this diverse needs, different needs, different problems. And if, even if you don't have a problem, you've got brothers and sisters that are lost and dying and going to hell. You've got aunts and uncles that are dealing with sicknesses. You've got friends dealing with pain and problems that they have no other. You know what? It is very possible this morning to literally stop and halt Jesus in his steps. We just got to touch him for the right reason. I'm asking you to make this place an altar. I know one thing. I just felt this right now. Oh, i got to use social distancing, and i got to be very careful. I'm going to tell you what. 